Natalie, what proportion of your childhood would you say you wanted to be an astronaut? Wow. Um, I'm sure like some, a couple of days, but I don't know if it was ever like a thing that I was like really interested in as a kid. Yeah, we had, we had an astronaut come and like read a book that he'd written to like my elementary school. And I was super interested in it then. And I'm sure that it was only for a couple of days, but... And then I went to a talk in grad school that was like, you know, that'd be pretty cool to be an astronaut or something, <laughs> like as a grown adult. But I'll, I'll say that uh, seeing Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos do it kind of takes a lot of the, the appeal out of it for me. They've, they've made it lame. Hey, who are you? He is a boy. I'm Jeff Bezos. He's very thin. Amazon.com. I'm sure tomorrow. <laughs> so care away, well, don't like himself. Jeff Bezos. Very much because he is center, center, self So welcome to Primeval Podcast. I'm Chris Perkins. I'm Natalie Alsop Edwards. And we wanted to do, we haven't recorded for a while, we've got some that are being edited now and, and should be out someday, but I uh, wanted to talk about the space, Bezos going to space, because I thought it was interesting, and then we've got sort of an announcement to make about a future series that we're working on. So, um, yeah, Jeff Bezos went to space the other day <laughs> on uh, July 20th, 2021. So what's the what's the big deal here? Had you been following this at all? Uh, yeah, I've kind of seen the fact that he's going there and a lot of commentary of sort of how ill-timed it is and considering all these, like, problems on Earth. And then also <laughs> the reason he can get up there is because of this insane wealth inequality and not paying taxes. <laughs> or <laughs> one of the reasons, I guess. Right. Yeah, like so that cool. video, I, I don't know if you saw the interview with him where he's talking about uh, Amazon customers and workers that, that you did this. Yeah, you, not realizing like, the irony of that like statement. Like, that's no problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was able yeah. to go to space on the backs of your <laughs> abused labor. And exactly. Destroyed small businesses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. He's so yeah. oblivious, it's like... I, I did see, like, Ben Shapiro sort of arguing that, you know, your ownership... Uh, he didn't use these words, but, you know, you pay taxes to fund the space program, theoretically. But your purchasing of Amazon products is kind of like that. So you do have ownership in it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so yeah, on July 20th, Bezos actually launched two... Uh, 100 kilometers. It's called the Carmen Line, I think. And there's some great articles out there describing how Blue Origin and Virgin Galactic, uh, which is Richard Branson's company, are arguing over the definition of space because Richard Branson's company <laughs> only goes to 80 kilometers. So it's very funny. I'll put a link to the article in the show notes. I don't know if they know this, but Yuri Gagarin uh, orbited Earth at around 300 kilometers in 1961, 60 years ago, and absolutely uh, no billionaires were necessary for that. So I've been thinking about this and what it means for society uh, over the last few days, and I think a lot of people are also wondering, 
what the point of this billionaire space race is. One of the trending topics on Twitter was uh, Jeff Bezos and crew returns to Earth after historic suborbital flight with a rocket emoji. And I sent you what Tim Heidecker said. Uh, what the hell was historic about it? <laughs> I couldn't think of anything. We've been going much further into space since, like, my grandparents were teenagers. Rich guys have bought their way into space before. A U.S. millionaire named Dennis Tito paid something like $20 million to hitch a ride to the ISS in a Russian rocket in 2001. Richard Branson became the first billionaire to go into space using his own company on July 11th this year, which was the Sabbath. Uh, Wait, what zero. does that have to do with anything? <laughs> well, he shouldn't be working on the <laughs> Sabbath, so... Okay, right, much less going into space. So that's like nine days before Bezos did. So, And that is if you count 80 kilometers of space, which Blue Origin CEO Bob Smith does not. Right, so when, when they define space, is it like if you stopped propelling yourself would you just fall back into earth, onto earth's surface i feel like you know i i didn't look at the details i i think that carmen line that 100 kilometer mark is like the edge of the mesosphere but i don't know how those are defined like right you know what i mean it could be it could be kind of arbitrary or it could be an actual difference in the atmosphere for all i know i really have no clue mm. but or like depending um, on the view of the earth you can get or yeah yeah i do know that these are well below like orbital height so like gagarin the cosmonaut went like i said about 300 kilometers uh and orbited the earth and these guys just basically reached that point and came back so I, I did eventually find out that, uh, how is this historical? A woman on the flight, or the woman on the flight, Wally Funk, who's an aviator, who was part of the Mercury program and then was excluded from actually being able to go into space for, like, sexist reasons, as far as I know. Uh, she became the oldest person to go to space, and she's 82, and that is really cool. The 18-year-old kid on the flight, Oliver Damon, became the youngest person to reach space uh, after his... His father uh, bought him a seat uh, for an undisclosed amount. So <laughs> okay, so they <laughs> so a, they took on some, a range of ages in order to make it historical. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't know. But incidentally, uh, Oliver was chosen after some rich guy who had purchased a 28 million ticket in an auction backed out, citing scheduling conflicts. He, he was he was scared, right? Like, <laughs> like, I can't go to space. It's my dog's birthday party. Like, I'm, I'm, a I'm really busy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> turns in videotape. <laughs> yeah. So when I was 10 or so, I went to the best theme park in Utah with my family, uh, Lagoon. I thought I wanted to ride the Colossus, the big loop roller coaster, but I started to chicken out as we were walking up to it. And I couldn't decide which was worse, telling my dad that I was a baby and I couldn't ride it, or actually riding the Colossus. So I prayed for a solution and the roller coaster was broken down when, oh uh, my when God. we got to it, so I didn't have to ride it. Really? <laughs> Yeah, Aww. so I imagine this guy was just trying to think of a way to get out of it. 
I wonder if they kept his money. I'm sure they did. It was like from an auction, like I said. But So if they get that and Oliver's father's money, who knows how much that was. I don't know. Could have made quite a bit of money on this. So anyway, I still haven't gotten to the point of, of all this. A while back, we talked about Bloomberg and how Bezos's uh, political support of Bloomberg kind of betrays at best what an out of touch person Bezos is. Like there might be some calculation there why he liked Bloomberg, but it's not for reasons that benefit the average person. So like a person with as much money and power as Bezos could do incredible things for humanity, but it's clearly a degree of sociopathy that inspires people to hoard that much wealth. So you know how Bezos owns the Washington Post? <laughs> like Adam Johnson, he's got a podcast called Citations Needed that I highly recommend. He pointed out some of the Washington Post editorial coverage of this uh, endeavor. He tweeted, man, owning a newspaper is tight, and showed two of the opinion page uh, headlines. The billionaire's space race efforts may seem tone deaf, but they're important milestones. And <laughs> the billionaire's space race benefits the rest of us. Really? The second one was by Megan McArdle, who also wrote the genius piece, Think Twice Before Changing the Tax Rules to Soak Billionaires. Whatever. Oh I think God. I sent to you or you sent to me or something. But So that included <laughs> the line, but given a choice between letting billionaires spend fortunes reaching for the stars or destroying those fortunes so that the rest of us don't have to look at them, then personally, I'll take the rockets. So in the, in the Space Race editorial, she writes, every human alive today is the unlikely heir of adventurers who were willing to dare despite the odds. And every new breakthrough from fire onward was undoubtedly deprecated by neighbors who considered the thing a pointless waste. Why mess around with flint or try to take on a gazelle when you could be digging for grubs or perhaps picking lice out of someone's hair? Incredibly, Megan McArdle equates Jeff Bezos spending a billion dollars a year on something we already know how to do for his own benefit to learning how to start fires like that comparison. I don't think cave people were deliberately ignoring things necessary to their continued survival to learn about fire. They weren't spending all their time on flint research instead of hunting, you know, like, right. <laughs> so like she also, oh, it's so stupid. She also compares it to things like ocean navigation or the invention of cars, which I think was a huge mistake. That's a totally different issue. But, um, I don't think every person needs to only care about solving hunger, hunger or fixing labor issues. Uh, it's not like we need to give up like sports or art or potentially useless scientific research just because problems exist in the world. But I do think there's a deep sense of disappointment and cynicism inspired by the billionaire space race. So I wanted to share some audio uh, from a video that uh, More Perfect Union posted on Twitter. The video was called corporate media has a billionaire propaganda problem. Some text in the video points out the hundreds of minutes of positive media coverage given to this space launch. And actually, according to Media Matters, broadcast uh, TV morning shows spent uh, nearly as much time on Jeff Bezos's space launch in one day than on the climate crisis in 2020. That's 212 minutes uh, devoted to the space launch versus 267 minutes through all of 2020 on climate coverage. 
So here's the audio from the video, and it just shows CNN, MSNBC, giving completely uncritical, extremely positive coverage of uh, the space launch. This morning was a great moment, I thought, for American capitalism. People say, oh, this is just a joyride of a, a rich guy. This is a moment of American exceptionalism, a great moment for our country. It's good for America. Uh, people need to give Jeff Bezos credit. Ellen? People trying to tell him how to spend his own money. Yeah. But yesterday he did something that was also jaw-dropping. It sure was. Billionaire Jeff Bezos realized a childhood dream. In fact, all of these billionaires pushing us out in that yeah. direction, they really have put it on their backs in a lot of ways. This is one of the great business stories of all time because it is private equity, private enterprise going to space. Brother has been determined to advance space travel. I want to know what did it feel like to be up there together when you locked eyes? I just love that line uh, that the two brothers uh, riffed on, that, that idea that I know what something big looks like when it's small. And when they say that, that really resonates, doesn't it? CNN's Kristen Fisher was there for the launch. What was that like, Kristen, seeing this historic mission from the ground in person? I gotta say, it was pretty cool. I kind of feel like disdain, why? Who cares? It's Jeff Bezos' money. If really, really rich people want to fork over hundreds of millions of dollars for their vanity trips to outer space, what do I care? I love Jeff Bezos' point. You can do both. You can look to the future, yep. and you can look to what's happening here, and you can do both and do good things, and they certainly are doing that. I want to thank uh, every Amazon employee and every Amazon customer because you guys paid for all of this. Like nobody in power is doing anything about climate change. The real Amazon is emitting more carbon than it absorbs in terms of fires for one thing, but also just drying out the hotter weather, more decay of releasing carbon and methane, things like that. So also housing in the US is reaching a crisis point and we might be heading into another season of lockdowns thanks to, you know, the Delta COVID variant. So people are mad at the billionaires are going on these tone-deaf joyrides, and I also think there's a sense of anger over the steady privatization of what should be public goods. We don't own space travel anymore. Like, our migrant detention centers and prisons are for-profit. Our healthcare always has been for-profit. And we let corporations sell our water back to us. So, why don't billionaires work to solve these problems? Why are their pet projects always Always things like Musk's, Elon Musk's climate change solutions, luxury toys for rich creeps, or the possibility, or the physically impossible Hyperloop, which mostly seems to have only been a thing so that Musk could try and kill the uh, California high-speed rail, or Bill Gates vaccine mm -hmm. patents and charter schools that don't solve any problems. They extract profit from public investment and add zero value. And then Bezos, he wants to save the earth by moving a heavy, heavy industry into space, which he talked about right when he landed. This is an idea he seems to have gotten from a Princeton University physicist that he met named Gerard O'Neill. O'Neill said, we can colonize space and do so without robbing or harming anyone and without polluting anything. And he also claimed that nearly all our industrial activity could be moved away from the Earth's fragile biosphere within less than a century from now. So, like, I've got no problem with aspects of that. Mining platinum from, from an asteroid for hydrogen fuel cells could be good. 
could be useful. But this is like saying that we can solve city planning and traffic with like flying fully autonomous cars. That maybe that's possible to build, but not in our lifetimes. And we aren't moving mining into space in this century. Like we could, but it's not going to be before climate related disasters make that kind of pointless. Um, it's not going to wait for that. So I'll go into more of this in a future episode when we talk about this uh, more in detail. But Bezos imagines that we'll keep the Earth as like a nature preserve and millions will live in space colonies like starting on the moon and expanding to other places. So remember in like sixth grade history when you learned about indentured servants? Yeah. Does like anyone think that the man famous for warehouse workers peeing in bottles in like even having bad working conditions in places with more labor protections than the U.S. has? Do, does anyone think that uh, Bezos will develop a, a moon colony that won't be exclusively for the poor who toil to mine lithium so the rich can drive their cyber trucks through like an empty Yellowstone, you know? Like, yeah. it's... It, that like vision of the future is so gross <laughs> and that could be where we're headed if we don't take ownership of you know solutions for our future yeah and just like giving so much power to somebody who's proven to have like a pretty short-sighted and really exploitive nature it just seems like yeah it's a bad idea <laughs> yeah not that yeah i, I do yeah, the future of humanity could be in space, and there's a lot of important things that we could, that humanity could achieve by exploring space and like moving off of Earth. But if we simultaneously destroy Earth and then only create <laughs> these, like you said, space colonies that are just going to be insufferable hell holes where people toil in factories, because Jeff Bezos designed them, who is already doing <laughs> terrible things on Earth, it's like, no, let's like have them. <laughs> Let's not have Jeff Bezos be the one leading this, because he right. has a bad history already. Ble it's, like, kind of bleak. And and just, like, the that, that Megan McArdle piece talks about how kind of inefficient, you know, the federally funded space program is and stuff. She doesn't really go into specifics, but, you know, the people argue stuff like that all the time with the post office or whatever. And it's like, what, like... It's not like countries can't do incredible things, you know? Is America just, like, uniquely bad at everything we do? Like, we can't build trains, we can't, you know, fund transit, we can't, you know, enforce any development-related regulations. Like, are we just so... While other countries are doing just fine in a lot of those areas, like, are we just so bad at these things that we need, like, a billionaire to innovate our way into space, even though we already know how to do all this stuff? I don't know. It's, uh, I, I'm sure people, uh, in fact, I, certain people were upset about like NASA in the 60s thinking it was a waste of money, but that's like nothing compared to these uh, private space programs that aren't gonna help anyone, you know. So, yeah, that's all I got. I did look up his, uh, Bezos's wealth. So for Bezos watch. As of July 22nd, 2021, Jeff Bezos had a total net worth of 209 billion. And so, yeah. I don't know if he's still doing this. I think he is, but in an interview a while back with, uh, it's on like Business Insider's YouTube, he talks about how he's spending a billion a year on, on Blue Origin. And one thing that in an episode we haven't released yet because I'm bad at editing and it takes forever, um, but we recorded with some friends Molly and Nico. And Molly suggested we talk more about their real Amazon. 
That's yeah, like the long Amazon rainforest. Yeah. And so if Bezos spent that one billion year on the real Amazon instead of instead of Blue Origin, like this vanity project, he could, or I, I found some figure, I don't know how accurate it is, but it, if you have an acre, if you own an acre in the Amazon, you could sell all the lumber for about $400 per acre, apparently. So that turns out to be about 2.5 million acres that Jeff Bezos could not buy, but pay to keep it from being developed or, or logged or whatever. So anyway, that's 2.5 million acres that Amazon, the company, could be protecting of the Amazon rainforest if they wanted to wouldn't that be so cool (laughs) and like like, how many pounds of co2 were emitted for the 10 minute space joy ride and like (laughs) how many trees is that equal to (laughs) this article says jeff bezos put 300 metric tons of carbon into the atmosphere for his space joy ride okay well (laughs) that's that's a lot i don't know how much what's like your personal carbon footprint yeah. Um, that we, you know, how many how many cans of soda do I have to recycle to like? <laughs> anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah. For real. I mean, it's so ludicrous. One. Oh my god! Like, the average average person in the U.S. emits 16 tons a year. So okay. Jeff Bezos put 300 tons of carbon in t- like a 10 minute period for, for the 10 minute joyride, which I guess probably. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway. Right, yeah. And they're like, Amazon's uh, pledge to go carbon neutral by 2030. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw someone talk about Microsoft's pledge, and they're building this new complex by Seattle. Just a ludicrous amount of parking. Like, none of those companies care. It's all just going to be accounting tricks. Like, it's not going to be real. Yeah, totally. Carbon neutrality, but cool. Very good. All right. Uh, oh, yeah, we need some wealth tax. That'd be cool. Yeah. Even if like tickets to space, which some people argue, it's like, well, you could buy yourself a ticket to space for $20,000. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's something if, if my dad or someone like that was one thing, they're like their life's dream, they could probably manage to afford a ticket like that. But in the end. Well, and it's still like a matter, especially in like a climate crisis, it's a matter of mm-hmm. prioritizing the things we invest resources into. And yeah. like, I think that that's having a joyride in space. Like, yeah, that's really cool. But it's pretty low in terms of like things that we should do to sustain human and creature life any life Mm. on earth and because you don't really know what's going to happen with like maybe we'll have a runaway greenhouse effect and everybody's dead and then no one can (laughs) no matter how much money you have you can't do anything you can't go to space so maybe we could prioritize solving some real life issues and then still you know use the power of the sun to go to space in like a couple hundred years and everyone can go maybe we live in space and like cool future just like don't die in the meantime maybe shift our priorities during this like crucial emergency where we're using fossil fuels still you know that's what pisses me off about his it's not it's not so much going to space for fun because i think that's cool but Mm -hmm. the timing is like no don't invest in that right now like save that save the fun stuff for after we do the real work that you can do because you have enough money and power you're like one of the only he's the only person who has enough power to be solving real problems and right. isn't <laughs> yeah yeah not not just with his money but yeah his his power because yeah so like him 
paying a billion a year could protect, you know, millions of acres in the Amazon. That's not a big portion of the Amazon, really. But like, you know, that sort of action politically uh, makes a difference. But um, and also I remember Elon Musk. I think I heard about this at the time and I didn't know much about Elon Musk. But early on, like I'm thinking late aughts, so like 2008, 2009, he was talking about... um sending mice to Mars. Like it was like this pet project idea for this like Mars society or something to start like a miniature colony on Mars and see how long, see if you could get mice to live. You know, you could watch them walk around and breathe oxygen made by plants and stuff. So that's like kind of a, an ambitious project that's sort of the thing that NASA would do and it would probably contribute a lot to how to build a space colony kind of projects. But obviously never did that because like, He's very infrequently done anything that he said he was going to do that actually sounds good. And so this billionaire space race is turning into a way to launch satellites for the defense industry or for rich people joyrides. Like, it's not it's not turning into, like, an actual exploration of building sustainable colonies on another planet. It's just going to be wasting tons of energy to give, you know, some Swiss boy uh, a chance to go into space and <laughs> brag about it to all of his, you know, friends at Oxford or whatever, you know. It's just a... Yeah. Uh... Yeah, it's, they they claim it's, the equivalent it's like of researching how to make fire in the Stone Age, don't you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly equivalent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so true. So you had an idea. Since we're we're busy, we're not like expert podcasters. We don't really make we don't make money off of this, but we think it's fun and important. It's worthwhile to us to keep making episodes, but you had an idea to kind of focus things and give us sort of a, to give yeah, us like more of a narrative that uh, could be easily shared and things like that. Yeah, so I had an idea to kind of make a succinct series of like uh, five to ten episodes, probably in the seven range, and I wanted it to be something that you could say like, oh, my friend who doesn't understand why Amazon's bad, like my parents or whoever, not my parents, but somebody's parents, um, <laughs> you could just point to and say, like, here's a quick series you can listen to and get, like, the main reasons what is going on with Amazon and why it's harmful and, you know, their history a little bit and, and less focused on, like, current events and maybe a little more, like, just broadly, like, how do they affect business or... So, um, so we, come yeah. up, we came up with a couple of topics that I could get into that we're hoping to, for the next, like, I guess, season of our Primeval podcast, that we would kind of do one episode about each one of these topics and get a little bit of, like, an understanding of these impacts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's what we're going to hopefully be working on and be able to present as our next series. Uh, yeah, so some of the topics that we're hoping to cover are, like, Amazon's political influence and related to like business ethics. I think a really major problem about Amazon is their size. Like having an online platform in and of itself isn't that big of an issue, but when you also own all of the servers and you also own all of the warehouses and like, so their size is a big factor. Also related to that is their ability to compete unfairly in a free market where they can like buy out their competition or undersell their competition until they flop. So like the, the size I think really is a factor. We've also got taxes and tax evasion slash benefits is one episode hopefully. Environmental impact and like employee treatment and um yeah so those are some of the topics. Well there's a couple others but these are kind of the 
major ones that we'd like to cover. So yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I think we also talked about making a zine and it'll kind of cover these same topics and will be related to the kind of research we're, we're doing. So yeah, yeah. Hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully it'll come together and just be kind of a, like you say, a succinct way to explain the problems with Amazon. So yeah, and hopefully we're going to make a quick zine that's like, you know, 10 pages and just can hand to someone and say, oh, you like Amazon? Have you, do you know about these top 10 reasons to boycott them? Like, <laughs> here's a little zine. So that's uh, in the works. So yeah, stay tuned. Awesome. So to close, I was looking up just Blue Origin on Amazon to see what kind of merch they had and stuff. And I didn't know anything about this, but I guess there's things called skills that Alexa can learn. And there's a free skill that you can enable on your Alexa called Blue Origin. And it doesn't really say what it is. It just has prompts like Alexa, launch Blue Origin. Alexa, open Blue Origin. Uh, Alexa, ask Blue Origin, what is your mission? So I, I don't know what this thing is, but uh, there are six reviews. They're all five stars, and they say things like, the Blue Origin project will change the universe forever. Pay attention. And one titled, Go Blue! with a <laughs> exclamation point. And it says, To the Moon, Alice, which I think is a reference to the Honeymooners, where the husband is uh, threatening to smack his wife so hard that she flies to the moon. Um, wow. So that's cool. Uh, congratulations, Blue Origin launch. Anyway. There's something so creepy about the vagueness of their, like, <laughs> would they represent Blue Origin to be like, yeah, we're doing stuff in space. Yeah. And it reminds me of, like, those oil company commercials that'll be like, oh, yeah. integrity, loyalty. <laughs> and they show, like, some green fields and Shell. Yeah. Or Exxon Mobil. And you're like, what are you even? It's yeah. so vague. You can't even, you can't even critique it. You're just like, okay, well, yeah. that's what you're doing. Loyalty. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the hell that means. It's crazy. I also heard that during the broadcast, I don't know where it was, maybe it was streaming on Amazon Prime or something, but they did like a, a stream, a live stream of the launch, apparently. And they kept talking about buying tickets for Blue Origin. And it just seems like, ah. Uh, if you sat down to watch C-SPAN, like our politics are ridiculous and barely work, but if you sat down to watch C-SPAN and there was an ad every few minutes about like donating to someone's campaign or something on C-SPAN, like <laughs> I can see that happening, but when when we're doing these like giant engineering projects and they turn, to, turn into a sales pitch, it's just so dark just a bleak future we're living in it's basically robocop or yeah sci-fi satires that's where we're at now so well yeah unless like some huge collapse happens and we all get you know gotta go back to <laughs> then we'll be doing flint research and stuff again <laughs> so yeah it's well, interesting. we're gonna we're definitely gonna see some some stuff happen in our lifetime so yeah you know as bad as it gets like we're pretty lucky to be living at what could be the end of modern civilization yeah so yeah thanks for listening to primeval podcast i've been chris perkins um still working on like video projects and stuff serial flakes media on instagram um if you want to look that up yeah and i'm natalie also edwards you can find my uh art <laughs> um on instagram at handy sandwich underscore and yeah our outro music today is by mario slice and it's called shimmy shimmy instrumental nice all right thanks for listening oh alexa and show and roll credits